1: This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journey. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply into your life. It's your time to live a successful life. You are tuning in to
0: the Successful Life Podcast. Three, three, two, one, let's go. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with the genie,
2: Kean. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing, Corey? I'd love to
0: explain that, too, in a little bit. Yeah, dude, for sure. So, uh, fortunately, uh, uh, Kian allowed me not to pronounce his last name, because as you all know, I F up most people's last names. So, uh, Kian, um, you know, here's the thing. I was really interested in having Kian on because, you know, he's, here's what I think is interesting about Kian's story, and I'm not going to tell his story. I'm going to obviously let him do that, but but I can't um, – just take us back really quick to that day that you figured out or that you got the, the, the news that you were not going to be able to play. Is it you weren't going to be able to play professional anymore or, or at all? Which one is that?
2: At all. So I would gotten to practice, but I hadn't got to play a game yet.
0: So you were on the field with actually our Super Bowl team, one of the Super Bowl teams that are going to be playing this Sunday – like, tell me how that felt, dude. Like, I can't even imagine having something like that. What probably felt like at the time was done to you, but I'm guessing you're going to tell us a story about how it was the probably the best thing that could have ever happened to you.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. it you know, I think if it didn't happen, it could have been incredible as well. Uh, you know, I, I think I would have been the best at whatever I decided to do. So. I, we can play that optimistic game, and I'll go down that path. We can do sure. that. Yeah. Right? Um, but, but certainly, I've been able to, I think, create an incredibly uh, fun, wild life for myself on the other side of a football that uh, I'm having a great time experiencing. Definitely. Yeah.
0: I bet, dude. So, so what was it like? Uh, you know, what, what the
2: hell went through your head when the doc said, like, you're done? Yeah, I, uh, I cried like crazy, okay. but, but the, the, the biggest part was the, the confusion that came with it. The, the story behind that was, uh, I had, uh, I got to Kansas city and they wanted me to pass the MRI on prefer precautionary MRI on my neck. And one of on my hamstrings, I had previous injuries in college and i got the hamstring done then I went to do my neck. And the crazy part about the situation with my neck was that I, uh, I get pretty claustrophobic. And at the time I was 245 pounds and I was just like massive. And I was literally about a half an inch away from the the MRI machine. And I pulled myself out because I couldn't last the full 30 minutes that it took for the MRI. And she ended up calling a team and the, the team said actually that I didn't have to do the neck. They really just wanted my hamstring because I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but they just heard that I had some stuff going on. So they told me that I didn't have to do it. But something inside of me was just like, dude, like you gotta do this. And so I went and got a drink of water. I got hyped up walking around the nurse's office. And uh, jumped in the MRI machine, man, and, and I lasted all 30 minutes. I was drenched in sweat and shaking afterward, but I had so much pride in the fact that I just had completed that. And the crazy part was I, uh, I walked out to the guy, to the van that was driving me back to the facility, and halfway to the facility, uh, he ended up getting a call that told him to tell me that he was actually taking me back to the hotel. And I was flying out in the morning. And that it wasn't getting signed. So that was a crazy part of it. And and I'm like, no way. Like, what is it? Like, what's the deal? And I'm texting my agent. I'm texting team personnel. And nobody knows what's going on. The guys that drive me around is like, dude, I'm sorry. It's just how the NFL works. And I'm like, no fucking way. Like, no way. No way it works like this. Like, they don't just like, right. And so they took me back to the hotel. And I was there for a few hours. And um, then eventually John Dorsey, the GM of Kansas City, calls me. And he's like, hey, Keen, you're probably wondering what's going on. You know, like, yeah, like, what's the deal? And he's like, well, the reason why it took me so long to get back to you was because I wanted to make sure what we saw in the MRI was actually on the MRI. And he said that there's a gap between your C6 and C7 in your cervical to where if you would have played, you're at a risk factor of three by five out of four to get paralyzed. He's like, we, we can't clear you. You're done playing. And um, there's a really weird conversation because he actually also awkwardly offered me a job as a scout for the team.
1: <laughs> which, which is uh,
2: unheard of. Uh, so that was like uh, kind of a shock. Cause he's like, Hey, I know this is probably a lot to process, but we know the kind of player, the person, the caliber of, of guy you are. And uh, we want to offer you a job as a scout. And I'm like, okay. Uh, he's like, yeah, just put my number in, in your phone. At the very least use me as a reference to the future. If you never even need anything and uh, it ended up not being the thing for me. And I realized that uh, me not playing football wasn't uh, very, the sport wasn't very intriguing for me to stay around. Uh, and I decided not to do that, but it it was a lot. I cried my eyes out. Uh, there's a combination of a little bit of relief as well, uh, from a little bit of pressure that I was able to take off myself from all the the time spent doing exactly what I needed to do to get myself to that place. You know, being a white kid from South Dakota, we don't get a lot of love. So we got to do a lot to get to that place. Uh, and, uh, that, that, I mean, it was an emotional roller coaster. but that's when my transition to my second life. Uh, I would say started was when I, when I got that news. Interesting, dude. I, you know, I, I understand what you mean by
0: that. I, so I, you know, I haven't had a drink in a little bit over 11 years. And, and so I understand from that standpoint, but also from a personal development standpoint, like I feel like, you know, I, I I stepped into personal development, I don't know, going on three years ago, Uh, maybe actually going on four years ago. And wow. And here's the thing, like it's given me a different perspective on life. It's given me a different motive of why I do things, because I've always been that guy that did shit just to see what, you know, I did something because I thought I could get something from you or and I don't mean necessarily always in a negative way, just meaning that there was always a motive where now um, I just don't I'm not that way. I mean, if I see a grocery cart in the middle of a parking lot, I move it, right? I put it up. I've never been that guy. I've always been the guy that just left the damn thing sitting there and, mm-hmm. you know, almost, almost, almost hoping it would hit a car just because I was a shithead, right? I mean, and so it's just very different. So I think that's kind of what you're speaking to, right?
2: Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. 100%. In, in a different way, but, but absolutely a segue into a different operating system. Sure. Entirely, and and a lot of that operating system was uh, me recognizing, seeing that I didn't know who the fuck I was, yeah. right? in, independent of football. And I, I think uh, I'm very fortunate to have hit that point in my life at the age of 22. Whereas I feel like many people that are out chasing and trying to accomplish their dreams, they are forever operating in this place of of finding identity in the pursuit of their dream. And not giving themselves permission to to deviate from that and and find a life independent of what they believe they need to be to be okay. Uh, but nevertheless, I feel very fortunate to hit that at the age of 22, really accomplishing my lifelong dream and then having it ripped from me and being able to, to realize in that moment that hey, nothing that that I do as far as accomplishment goes is gonna bring me that that feeling of fulfillment that I'm really looking for. And that's when, you know, at the age of 22, I was able to say, holy shit, well. If nothing that I accomplished is going to do this for me, what will? And that's
0: the big question. So, uh, you know, so, so, so you transitioned into now. So I noticed, you know, I know that Bruce Lipton has been a big part of your life, right. Or at least that's what kind of got you on sort of the path of probably uh, God, uh, uh, just awful doubt a- after this situation happened. You know, how long after that uh, Kia, did you, did you find this other newfound, um, I guess, identity almost, right? Because your identity was ripped away. You were no longer this football player. You were no longer this pro athlete. How did you, you know, what was the transition there after you got the news, you realized, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going to have to do something else. What made yeah. you realize that you needed to attach yourself to something bigger than, you know, a title or a, or a, or a, um, identity, uh, you know, NFL, identity, whatever. You understand the question, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think the biggest part was that I gave myself permission to, to, to not, and I continually give myself permission to not have to have an identity or attach to something. And I think that's one area that a lot of people don't let themselves explore because of a lot of societal pressures and, and familiar pressures on us to, to have it figured out uh, especially being from, from South Dakota, a lot of beautiful things, but there, there's a stigma of, Hey, well, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're 24 now when you're not married, there, there must be something wrong with you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 the pressure surrounding having to have uh, a, a spouse figured out, having to have a job figured out, having to have my whole life plan figured out. I really just gave myself permission to say, fuck that and move to Miami and experience a world that, I was not accustomed to being from South Dakota, and really, what I did was I just allowed myself to say, "I'm going to let go of everything that I thought that I once was, and I'm just going to do a bunch of shit that goes against my programming of who I believed I was," and gave myself a lot of permission to do a lot of things that were against my programming uh, that didn't feel good at times in the moment, but through giving myself permission to do it, I found a lot of awesome things that I now really like to do. Some things that that I don't, uh, but nevertheless, I gave myself permission to not have it figured out right and I continually give myself that permission I think that's permission a lot of people need to be able to to give themselves because a lot of people get caught up and wrapped up in this life uh, where they ended up getting married they end up having kids they end up settling for for get really deep into a job and, and, and a social group that they don't even really want to engage with or be a part of and unfortunately you know for many people that they're they're 40. 35 years old. And they're like, Whoa, what am I doing? What did I do? Who am I with? Right. And then it's that like crisis that kicks in. Right. So, so the fact that I gave myself permission at a young age to, to, to go in and, and, and not get wrapped up in a lot of these things that, that would be very difficult to be able to separate from, which I feel for a lot of people that are in that position. Uh, but it's so important for, for people to be able to let themselves do. So we don't live a life of resentment toward the people that, that we end up uh, keeping in our life that aren't really maybe meant to be in our life.
0: This episode of the Successful Life podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service to learn more click the link in the show notes yeah dude i get that 100 percent, man um you know it's interesting dude like you know what made me think of when you said you know you kind of gave yourself permission to do stuff that maybe was even uncomfortable at times right um You know, I went and I did two ayahuasca journeys uh, in since March. Right. Uh, I think my first one was in April and then the second one, I think, was in July or August. I can't remember. But either way, uh, it was it was really powerful because one thing that I realized after my first one is I didn't I didn't get I I didn't it it wasn't the experience I thought it was going to be. Right. I thought I was going to, you know, kind of like take an LSD and, you know, leave the planet, balls. go be the civilians. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I thought. But but I was wrong. And you know why I was wrong? Because I tried to control the situation. I tried to I, yeah, I couldn't dissolve my ego enough to just let the medicine work. And so the second time I went, I was able to do that only because I, I with this podcast, I interviewed the, the medical director. And the the card on the camera ran out and I had to fucking do the interview over. I was pissed. But here's the thing, though, dude, if I had not done that second interview, it all worked out exactly the way it was supposed to work out because I didn't get it the first time. I still didn't get it after the, you know, after he point blank said, you know, control. Right. And so he, he, he gave me permission to just let the medicine work and just to not, you know, to take my foot off the gas and just. Let, let it do what it's got to do. And that's when the magic happened.
2: So there's, yeah. there's so much power in that. And, and I've, I've had, uh, uh, four ayahuasca experiences and some other psychedelic experiences too, but like, yeah, so much of it meant is being able to, to get in a position to let go. And, and honestly, psychedelics can be, and along with, you know, MDMA therapy can be incredible, incredible, incredible catalysts and tools to be able to to really start to open up uh, that space to be receptive and open, and I, and I know we, we can get to those places on our own without different forms of, of psychedelics and the plant medicine, but I tell you what, if 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 you need a good old rip open, uh, they'll they'll do the trick for you, and uh, they'll they'll give you exactly what you need. So yeah,
0: dude, you're yes. so
2: right. I'm so glad you shared that with me because
0: I I obviously had no idea you had done that, but but it's almost like I get this feeling that, you know, just some of the things that you said, that it would, you know, first of all, everybody on my podcast at this point knows that I've done it. Like I I don't hide anything, but man, you're right. Uh, I think that, you know, MDMA therapy, while even, even, I haven't had MDMA, MDMA therapy, I've taken ecstasy back in the day, but that's not obviously the exact same thing. Um, but there are studies, I mean, maps, right. I'm sure you know about maps, maps there. I mean, it's a support group that they, they uh, you know, that that's their whole goal is to bring, you know, psychedelics to the, you know, not really to the marketplace, but to the psychiatric, to the, to, to be a medicine. And it, and I do believe, I don't know if, you know, LSD or, or I think psilocybin actually is being used currently uh, in some places, but there's a, there's, it's, it's interesting. And I'll just take this example. And I, you know, we, we I'm not get, trying to get into a political conversation because, you know, it is what it is, but it's almost like I can, you know, and, and you'll get this. It's almost like you can see past certain things that are going on. It's like, you can see the bigger picture. And I've got to believe that has something to do with the, the psychedelic, you know, you say and and ayahuasca i just i i do believe that
2: wholeheartedly i really do believe that oh absolutely it's it's, i would say uh mushrooms can be one of the most powerful experiences to break out of social conditioning holy crap like i don't care who you are when we're living in society there's things that we take on and ways of being that we begin to operate out of that aren't really ways that we'd like to do it but more so just uh, out of ease and convenience we that's why we take on certain ways of being because of uh, the security that it adds to our lives. And especially now more than ever, uh, with all the things going on, uh, uh, a mushroom trip could be good for, for a lot of people just to be able to kick us out of this, like this trance that a lot of people are in. And that's the trance I think is a perfect word for it. Cause that's what it does. just kind of whacks you and says, Whoa, you're, you're actually doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this. And this is not you. And this is not what you want to do. And they, that, that, that and it's like, Whoa, okay. I'm back. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and I would I would say absolutely one, one of the best uh, forms of breaking out of a, a, a social conditioning uh, could be uh, psychedelics.
0: Yeah, certainly. dude, I, I, a thousand percent. And, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, Dorian Yates has been, you know, he's been a big guy. You know, he's been a big guy and, and big advocate for, you know, ayahuasca. I think he has, you know, he, he does. He runs a retreat somewhere in Peru or somewhere. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because it really does get, give you this just level of awareness that's just not there before. And I mean, with any of the psychedelic treatments, any of them, um, you know, it's, it's just different. And I think people should just kind of open their eyes a little bit to, to, to entertain this. And I, I'm not suggesting people go out. Well, I mean, some of the things, I don't know that you can get them legally, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, they, people can make that choice on their own, but I just know for me that it's been a big component um, in my life. And like I said, you know, I, I, I don't drink alcohol. Like I've, I don't say that I'm sober because, uh, you know, and I've told the story a million times, I decided in AA when I was going to AA that I was not going to stand up and identify. As an alcoholic anymore because i wasn't an alcoholic i was six years sober and and it didn't real i didn't realize until i got into my nlp and in learning i am is the two most powerful words in the english language so there's a reason why aa has a 93 percent failure rate it's because mm-hmm. the identity that's tied to the people that come in and i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying that you're doing yourself a disservice by constantly saying I am it's like me saying I'm fat it's no different because eventually I'm probably going to wind up that way
2: you know so absolutely absolutely and that, and that I am uh, not only from the standpoint of maybe the more obvious things like uh potentially being an alcoholic or um some of the other example you gave but but in regard to just every single identity that we have that's how most people walk around is I am Kean, the football player. I am Kean the, the 70-year-old sage that makes everybody feel good. I am Kean the one that uh is also smart, but also an athlete. Right. And then and I attach to these identities to give myself permission to be okay. Right. And so it's not just alcohol, but it's all these identities in general. And that's what psychedelics are able to do such a good job of is, is it separates us from these different identities that we take on as being part of ourselves that are actually massively limiting uh, our potential and our growth. So being able to, to, to go in and say, the psychedelics should say, hey, dude, like, this is not you. You're not Todd, the lawyer. Uh, you're, you're actually uh, separate from that. And you can be really whatever you want to be. Uh, and that's one of the most difficult parts is that process of well, now that I'm not these things and I know I'm not these things it can be a very par- scary part of what, you know, a lot of people call it an ego death. You know, I, I hate that term because I don't believe in killing ego, but uh, th- th- just being able to go through that, though, is is so powerful. And it's a sc- actually a scary place. It can be for a lot of people that, that very closely identify with a lot of uh, our earthly titles, uh, our, our job title, our name, uh, uh, you know. Martha, the wife, Martha, the, the mother, right? So when, when we identify so closely with these titles, it can be a real smack to the face because those titles just get ripped away. And who am I without the titles? Whoa, I got nothing to grab onto. That's it, dude. I got nothing to grab onto for my security. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And I would say that's exactly where people need to be. And right on the other side of that, the tension associated with that of sitting in that and being okay with being in that place is peace it's it's a lot of fucking abundance yeah right and and it's everything that that we want but that's one of the scariest parts of being able to sit in the tension associated with disassociation from from identity that many people struggle with isn't it you know isn't it wild
0: how much i mean like the amount of love that you feel after an ayahuasca experience or, you know, and if you, and if it's a two part, three part series, I mean, I, I took, I, the medicine I would take on a Friday night and I would take another one Saturday morning and I would take another one Saturday night. That's just how they do it where I went. And it's just unbelievable. Like it's, it's a different kind of love that you come out of there with. It's a different kind of love for shit. Normally you wouldn't even care about. Right. I mean, it's, did you have that same experience?
2: Uh, I definitely, definitely experienced more of the, 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 the peace and calm, certainly. Uh, that might have been just from, from the, the purging experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that part's no uh, uh, fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, the front and back end of, of on the other side of going into, into war in, in, in the ayahuasca experience. But um, I believe there's an element of thank you that uh, ourselves uh, give ourselves in a sense, from being able to do something that separates us from identity. Uh, It's almost like a big hug that we're giving ourselves uh, by saying, hey, like I'm more than just my identity. I I don't need an identity uh, to feel okay about me. And I feel like that might be where a lot of that comes from. And that's actually a lot of the work that I do with the people that I work with are high-achieving individuals that uh, have a lot of identity wrapped up in their success and in their business and who who other people perceive them as being. And through that experience of, of being able to go in and feel a lot of the pain associated with the reasons why they attach to all of these things in the first place uh, allows them to detach and feel way better about themselves, similar to how people may feel post ayahuasca experience.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's interesting because I think that you know, you probably do deal with a lot of ego, I'm guessing. I mean, I think we all do to an, to an extent. Um, you know, so so tell me, okay, so let's, you know, I think we've I think we've talked about ayahuasca. Trust me, I could talk about all day long and everything that's associated with that in psychedelics, because I think it's amazing, and I think everybody needs to know about it. However, we could do it again. Um, yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about, okay, so tell me how you've, you know, tell me you're currently, you're, you're, A leadership coach, is that correct? Did I say that right? Yep. Okay, so tell me more about that. What it is you're currently doing, what kind of people you work with, what it is that fills your cup now.
2: Yeah, so as far as what fills my cup now, just living life exactly on my own terms. Like that—that that is what fills my cup and whatever my heart's inspired to do in whatever season I'm in is what lights me up. And I'm really enjoying going headfirst into into this coaching uh, and also doing some, some modeling as well. Something that's like kind of on the other end of the spectrum, whereas one's much more emotional, uh, uh, maybe some say spiritually driven. The other one's like vanity and physical body driven, which feels really good to me. And that's really fun. Uh, so whatever the fuck I feel inspired to do is what I'm doing. And I might not be coaching in a couple of years. Who knows? Maybe I will. I don't know. It's, I'm enjoying it now, but that's what lights me up. Uh, as far as what I'm doing, uh, I'm, I'm working with guys and girls who have used achievement and success as a way to justify their okayness. And I don't work with people that have a hard time uh, getting off the couch and getting motivated. I, I work with people that have a hard time sitting down. Uh, the ones that have it all together, the ones that are always helping everybody else, the ones that have the successful business that, that it seems like that everything's bright and shiny, and doesn't have any issues. Uh, but really, this is the crazy part, you mentioned alcohol and uh, you know, addiction has many faces. And uh, there's one level of addiction, which you could say is the, the primary culprits. You talk about sex, you talk about gambling, you talk about alcohol, you talk about drugs, talk about porn, uh, but then there's this other category, which includes achieving, right? Having success, that's an addiction, right? Helping other people, that's an addiction, right? Religion, that can also be an addiction, right? So it, we don't see these things as addictive behavior because society glorifies them, right? Success yeah. is glorified, helping other people is glorified, being very, very into religion at a high level is glorified, right? But what people don't see is that on the other side of this, 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 uh, submission or idolization of those things is really just a lot of, uh, sadness and, and, and hurt, that is not addressed, similar to the same reason why people turn to alcohol and drugs in the magnitude that we're discussing. So uh, I, I work with the, the people that are addicted to the, to success and helping other people, uh, which sometimes comes with the other addicted behavior. But really, it's uh, it's catering to a demographic of people that um, don't like to to be victims themselves, but other people don't really know are are actually struggling.
0: Yeah, and to that you know to that point you know. Here, here's here's let, let me see if I can break this down and you tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Uh, if I'm helping you, right? Am I putting all my time and energy into you? I don't have to think about me, right? And so that's where the helping people or building companies after companies after companies and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's but you got to know where you stand with that, and you got to know if you're doing it just to escape something going
2: on in your real in your own life. Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And sometimes it takes one of the pillars collapsing underneath them to, to really recognize and see that. Uh, but but honestly, man, even just like without the, the collapse happening, operating in that state of, of lack of using uh, uh, other people coming to you for advice or, or success in business as justification to be okay, it's actually terribly inefficient in getting what they want. And actually by going in and not Operating in that place of of using those things anymore uh, allows more efficiency to happen where more success happens and more connection happens with less effort and energy exuded, which is the the crazy part about the whole process. It's actually terribly inefficient to to be operating in that place uh, that people use. They'll use chaos. They'll use stress. uh, They'll use pressure uh, to, to motivate them to really keep going and pushing forward. And and that's, you know, that underdog mentality that a lot of people use and have is glorified. And uh, I'm the underdog and I like, put pressure on myself. And and like, dude, like, it's not cool being the underdog. Like, it's not cool, like, busting your ass. Like, it's not cool, like, uh, exerting all this energy. It's not cool to be the one efforting your life away. Like, dude, like, that's not cool. Like, you know what is cool? Being the fucking man and knowing it and being able to feel that and actually embody it. And allow life to unravel for you instead of having to fist fuck your way into making life happen.
0: Yeah, dude, and and, and it's so funny you say that because we do that. We fist fuck things throughout our life that it, you know, it's like a, a, a round uh, square block and around. I don't know the fucking saying, but you know what it is: square yeah. peg into a round whatever. It's kind of like trying to force that, right? It just just doesn't work. at the end of the day, man. It, you know, these guys that are uber successful, and I'm in one of the largest uh, entrepreneur groups in the country, led by 2 unfucking believably successful guys, and like, dude, they, I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, granted, they've, you know, they're worth a half a billion dollars, one of them, maybe more at this point, and like, but it's got to be a constant I mean, it's just constant. It's just all the fucking time over, you know. And and my, and it's funny because my wife will say, not about my my entrepreneur people, but she'll say, you know, I don't understand about, I don't understand why why drug dealers sell drugs and they make a shit ton of money and like they can't go out and spend it because they're going to get nailed for spending it. She was like, I don't really understand how that equation works, but it's it's chasing that high whether that be the money or whether that be success or whether that be, I just want to, you know, I want to be pitied. That can also be a form of, you know, identity. And and here's, you know, I don't know if you've ever read this book, this is, this is one of the best books in the planet, I believe. Have you ever read this? It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. No. Who's up by uh, Robert Glover. You need to read it, dude. I'm telling you right now, and you'll understand when you get into it. It seems cheesy. The name seems mm-hmm. cheesy. But what this thing does, or what it did for me, is it explained to me why people do kind of the things that they do and why I do the things that I do. And meaning, let me give you an example. So it's one of the examples in the book is if you, you know, if, if let's just say, I, I don't know if you're married or not, but let's just say you are, and, and your wife says, You know, every time she does X, you respond a certain way and she enjoys getting that response from you. So she keeps doing X, whatever that looks like, whether it's overeating, whether it's purging, whether it's fill in the blank. And so what this guy, this guy's example was, you know, if you give a dog, if a dog pees on the carpet and you give him a treat, he's going to keep pissing in the same spot because he keeps getting the treat. My, and his correlation with that with that, was, is that people hang on to whatever grabs attention from other people, whether that be good, bad, or indifferent. And I just thought it was such an interesting, um, it was just an interesting explanation. And that's just one example of fitting in this book, but it's really cool because it helps people like me to realize that, you know, it's okay for me to say no right? It's okay mm. for me to say, I'm not going to do this podcast, or I don't feel like it's in my best interest to spend an hour with you doing X. Mm. It's okay that I'm, I'm okay saying that. And, and I can't say that I always have. I mean, many times I could, yeah. God, I can't count how many times I've said yes to something that I didn't really want to do, but I didn't really just want to say no. And so it's just a, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it just says a proven plan for getting what you want in love, life, and sex, and it's just
2: interesting, dude. I, I know it seems really an amateur name because it is, but no, 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 Corey, I, that's an incredible topic, man. That's an incredible topic, and 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 if, if you're open to it, I'd love to expand on that a little more of what what you're sharing about. Please do, absolutely, uh, yeah. And so I, I too, I too come from the from the, the uh, you know people pleasing background. And the really interesting part about it is that most people pleasers will say like, hey, like I do it because I don't want to hurt other people's feelings or I don't want other people to, to not feel good. I want people to feel good when they're around me and I don't want to hurt other people's feelings. But actually the crazy part is we as humans are actually stupid selfish, right? The more we can actually understand that and and, and come to terms with that, the more we can actually begin to unconditionally love other people, right? But the reason why we actually do that as people pleasers isn't because we don't want to hurt other people, it's because we don't want to suffer the repercussions of potentially pissing that person off or making them not feel good. It's not about how they're feeling. It's about what will happen if they feel this certain way, right? What will they do to me or to somebody else that will hurt me, right? So it's not about that. We don't want to hurt other people. Not that we don't want to step on other people's toes. We're actually afraid of the byproduct of what will happen if I'm not kind to this person, what will happen to me? That's it. That's it right there, right? So if we can be able to look at it from from that perspective, I'm like, whoa, like it's not actually that I don't want to hurt other people's feelings. Actually, I'm scared, right? I'm scared, which is why I do that. And that's a huge paradigm shift for a lot of people to hear that. gonna be like, holy shit, right? Yeah, that's, that's a huge deal, right? But it's true, right? So that, that's the crazy part about this, these people-pleasing ways is that I think a lot of times we can play this like, martyr 70 year old sage like and, and 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 have so much uh pride surrounding it like oh no i just love helping people and i just love just being there for no you fucking don't you're scared <laughs> yeah dude it, it's funny because there it is.
0: yeah there's a book and i can't remember i i think it was the i think it was the ultimate sales machine he put it to me but he one of the things he said in this book uh because that's what i do is i coach people in sales right <clears throat> And so I always listen. Uh, that's what I do is I listen to sales shit when I'm not, you know, I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to, I, I do listen to a couple of podcasts, but very rarely because I listen to sales books. Anyway, the guy said, he was like, you know, if you're in Starbucks or he didn't say Starbucks, but if you're in Starbucks and you and I are meeting and we have maybe not ever met before and we we're meeting and I buy you a cup of coffee, I'm not really doing something necessarily here on the, on the, on the surface level. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing something kind, but on the subconscious level that people are not even aware of really what you're doing is you're buying that person, a cup of coffee. So if somebody comes up behind me with a baseball bat, you've got my back. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and in, because of the human brain, if I do something nice for you, you you automatically feel indebted to me to an extent even if it's a five dollar cup of coffee you still feel like for some reason you still we all feel like then we owe that person something and i'm not saying that you do it for that reason it's just the way it is right if you do something nice for me i feel like i've got to give you something do something for you pay you a compliment uh at some Mm -hmm. point right and i need to be um i'm bought in
2: at that point does that make sense Mm -hmm. Certainly. And that's where, you know, both sides of the coin probably have to address uh, whatever that, that is. But uh, if, if somebody, right, that was something I had to do, I had to address that part of me that was like, oh, well, that, this, that, if this person offers me this, that means I'm obligated to do this uh, and really step into a season. Because that tells me that you're not a very good receiver. If you feel that over obligation, somebody is trying to give you something is really stepping into receivership uh, on my end and just be able to really step into the conscious effort of just receiving and 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 giving myself permission to not have to do more but to just allow myself to receive that coffee right and and and, and say thank you and have that be it
0: right. right but but this guy's point though is is because of how we are how our brains are wired like you don't realize that you feel like you owe me something if I bought you a cup of coffee, right? That was his point is, is because sub, is, you know, on, below the surface, we don't realize that that's how we feel. We don't realize we're thinking about, well, now I owe this person because you don't consciously have that thought, right? If you buy me a $5 cup of coffee, I, I'm not thinking, how can I pay you back, right? But subconsciously, it's there and we don't even know it. Does that make
2: sense? It it does. It does. Um, and that's the power, that's the power of going in and because I, I believe there's there's people that don't feel that, right? You know, you talk about people pleasers, and like I'm sure, sure they're they're the ones like us are, are the ones who are like, oh fuck, like keep a track, okay. They did this for me, they're like, Oh, I better do this. But there's other people on the other end of the spectrum that aren't that are that are very much the me people, right? That that probably should do some of the the opposite practices that people pleasers are doing that are like. Fuck yeah, dude! Thanks for the coffee, bro. I'm out. <laughs> that's actually a really good point, and so right? it probably so, so doesn't so that, apply to everybody. But yeah, right. So, but, but that right. But that. But that's the part that, that I think is really powerful and important uh, to understand. Is something I came up with in the last year. Is that there? That it seems like uh, there's two camps of people: the people that are either uh, consciously all me, 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 uh, and like, like I said, consciously because it's always about me, 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 regardless, right? Uh, where it, it's just like, hey, yep, thanks for the coffee. I'm out. Or it's the, oh, okay, well, now that you gave me this coffee, I want to get this to you and do this for you and this to you, right? And, and what we see, I think, a lot in society is that uh, whatever way of being that we naturally embody, right, we, we tend to gravitate towards the information that supports that. So the people that are me people, right, but by nature, they're following all the self-love stuff. They're like, oh, self-love? Yeah, baby, come on, like, give me more. Yeah, let me do this for myself. Let me do that for myself. Right. And the people that are, that are more sacrificers by nature of, of themselves for other people, they're the ones of like, well, we need to be more kind and I need to be, we need to be more nice to people. And we, and I need to be, uh, I need to sacrifice myself for, for other people and life's a sacrifice. And, and, and we, we take an information based off of what resonates with us most. Right. But, but there needs to be the understanding of the differentiation between the two camps of people that I believe uh, that, that there is now, maybe there's more camps and, 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 I'm sure we could dive deeper into that, but but from what I've seen as as a general uh, idea is that there is the two camps of people, and, and the problems come when when the people pleases are taking on more of the uh, I need to be kinder to people, I need to do more for humanity, and these other ones are like, yeah, self love, give me more, show me like, give me gimme <laughs> gimme, right? Give me, give me. right?
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, dude, absolutely. And and uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I I was not. You know, it, it's, it, so, so here's a great example, right? I went and because of Tony Robbins' story about what happened to him when he was younger, uh, he, he said that he feeds families now at Thanksgiving. So I thought that's a great idea. I should do that, right? And I did it. Yes, I, I absolutely wanted to uh, feed the family, right? Because it was out of my comfort zone because it was not something, I, I'm not that guy, right? I don't normally do shit like that. But the byproduct of me doing that is the feeling that it gave me after I drove away and I was anon- and we anonymously fed this family. And they didn't know me, I didn't know them, They didn't know how to get a hold of me. They didn't even know I existed. And there was something very freeing about that. And every year we double families and I do it, yes, I think it's great that I'm able to do that for other families that are not going to have food. Absolutely. But if I'm being real with you, it's the damn feeling
2: that I get from doing it. It makes Mm -hmm. me fucking feel good. Boom. And and that is so beautiful too to hear because there, there's uh, uh, the narrative of that, you know, it's about other people. We're making about other people. I want to do things for other people, but, but no, it's actually the feelings that we get, right. It's the feelings that, that we get. And and there's something really beautiful that I, that I want to acknowledge in you that you gave yourself permission to share right there. It's like, yo, like. I feel really fucking good when I do that. And guess what? That's great, right? But part of society is like, no, it's not good for for you to feel good and to talk about you feeling good, right? Right. And and so here's the problem. This is where we run into so many issues, right? We run into so many issues because we have people all over the world doing things consciously for everybody else. Well, nobody's taking personal accountability for themselves because what's glorified, now more than ever, right? Unification. Right, let's let's come together. Like, let me do things for everybody else. Like, let the, no, that's not what needs to happen. It right. needs to probably be a little chaos. That's okay, because chaos is balancing. Right. Yeah. What happens when when a when a fire, a wildfire happens and the whole forest burns down? Right. Sometimes that needs to happen for the new to, to grow and build up. Right. So let's not focus on having to try to, to fix everything and make everything look pretty and, and create more peace. no, 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 no. no. Let, let me let me do more of, of what can actually make me feel good and pour into me more and allowing there to be some chaos, right? There's nothing wrong with a little chaos. Agreed. Uh, and, and, and not making it about having to do everything for everybody else and, and, and save the world. Now, and I know that's not like a, a, a foreign concept, but I truly believe that because we're living in a, in a time when everybody's trying to, to help everybody else and make it about everybody else, that that's where a lot of the... the uh, chaos in, in, in perpetuity, I think will continue to happen uh, is because everybody tries to make it but everybody else instead of saying, hey, dude, like, I just feel good when I do this. So I do this. Right. And, and guess what? That doesn't take away from the person receiving either from you. Right. Right? That doesn't, of course by, by not. You saying, it doesn't, that doesn't take away from them. They feel just as good. They're getting the Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Exactly, dude. It's such a right? great point. Yeah, for sure. But it, it is a constant
0: struggle with folks. To be this, like you said, this, this, this person that is just all giving and not caring and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just not the fucking way it is, dude. I mean, I don't mean you got to be, you know, I don't mean you've got to be completely fucking selfish, but there's certain things in life that you do have to be selfish about if you want to protect your own shit. Meaning if I want to protect up here and if I want to protect how I feel, I need to be in bed by 9.30 because I get up at 4 a.m. And that's what I do for me because I like having that time in the morning. And if I have to sacrifice some of my family time or whatever that looks like at night so I can get up in the morning so I can get all my shit done that day, then that's just what I've got to do because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's about, it is about me. And and Mm -hmm. it is about how can I show up best for myself and everybody else, and the only way I can do that is if I do the shit that I know
2: works for me. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent, Corey. And, and actually, what you're doing is you're protecting the sanctity of your relationships, right? Because what happens when Corey doesn't take the time to to, to pour into him? He Fucky. gets a little agitated. He gets yes. a little frustrated. And guess what? Starts to build resentment.
0: That's right. right?
2: And when we spend time constantly sacrificing and foregoing our needs for the people that we love and care about, uh, we end up developing resentment towards those people. And I can't tell you how many people I work with that feel so much guilt for developing resentment towards uh, their kids, for their, their spouses, for their parents. Or they, they can't even say it because they're like, I, 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 I can't believe I'm feeling hate towards my mom. Well, yeah, you've sacrificed most of your life for her. Of course you have, that's resentment. Right, but by actually giving us permission to step into to our needs at the highest capacity allows us to show up and and protect the sanctity of our relationships and the health of our relationships. So it, it's 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 looking past the moment, right? It's looking past the moment of like, okay, well, they might not feel good if I leave, you know, 15 minutes early to go do this thing that I want to do, right? But ultimately, what you're doing is you, you're you're taking the the responsible route by sacrificing potentially that 50 minutes of them not being okay with it for you showing up for the next five days uh as as dad of the year or or husband of the year yeah and here
0: you know you just said so i I gotta interrupt you for a second you just said something really important um you know by here's the thing if you want shit i kind of lost it but basically i think what i was going to say was you know if i oh i know what it was if if I leave our meeting or our whatever at 15 minutes early and I say to you, let's just say you're my client and we're having a conversation. I say, look, dude, we got a hard stop at, you know, at 4:30, Um, and, and I let you carry on until five. Well really what that does is it really kind of shows your client that, it may feel like you're doing them. Now, it, there are situations where that can happen, right? Mm. But but if it happens every time, then that means I respect your time more than I respect my time. And it also makes me look like I, I don't have anything else better to do.
2: And and, and and that's a beautiful point. And not only that that you don't have enough, anything to do, but actually, especially, and this is where a lot of people struggle getting into the space that I'm in because they, they, they aren't able to show up in this place, as the fucking lighthouse, I'm like, hey, like, this is how things are happening, and this is what what's going to happen, uh, and 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 respect is lost. Respect is lost, right? And, and not even consciously. Maybe it is consciously, but I can tell you what: if you if if I allow one of these these super high performers that are used to being in the masculine role all the time <laughs> to to, yeah. to come in and, and and tell me what's up and happening, oh, they'll they'll walk all over me. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and that's, how, and guess what? Here's the worst part about it is they will get results, right? And that's all that matters at the end of the day. And a lot of coaches, especially healers that are coaches, we're very empathetic and, and don't want to, to step on the toes of our client or don't want to cut them off or don't want to say something that might offend them. But really at the end of the day, if somebody's paying you money, they, they really want you to cut them off. They, they want you to step in and be uh, the masculine in that dynamic because they want results and that's it, right? So if if we can keep our mind in this place of like, yo, in in this coaching container, this person wants results and I have to trust that I can give that to them and I have to follow what I know is right. Like I cut people off right in the middle of them talking in a really deep way all the time.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I'll, and I'll swear at something like, why the fuck can you do that? Like like, it's, it's that kind of dynamic, but, but they know and they trust me, right? And then that, that safety has been established, right? For, for them to show up in their authenticity just as I do, right? But actually at the end of the day, if we're not stepping in and and, and sticking true to our word and what we say we need to do, the client's not gonna get results because they're not gonna respect you. And that's where so much of the the results come from is the client respecting you and what you've done and the respect you have for yourself, which allows them to submit to the experience, which allows them to get results. That's where most of the results are at. It's not in the content. It's in the submission to the content. Yeah, absolutely, dude. You know, think about this, you know, take any
0: football coach you've ever had, right? If you would, if you would have been able to run all over and let's just take, obviously Andy Reid wasn't the coach at the time, but let's just take Andy Reid. Do you think you're going to run all over fucking Andy Reid? Hell no. Because at the end of the day, he can't get you to where you need to be if he's a pussy, if he, if he gets to run all over,
2: he just mm-hmm. can't,
0: he's not going to be effective. He'll be out of a job in six months. If the guys start running all over him, and you know, I experienced this with one of my cut, co- one of my the sales team that I work with, uh, you know, one of the managers they gets run all over, dude, and it's really, it's causing, it's causing a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, incongruent friction. Yeah, well, it, friction, yes, but it's causing incongruency in the rest of the team, because mm. if, if you're the leader and, and you allow one of your employees, because he's the best guy, to talk shit to you in front of the rest of the team, well, guess what, dude? Nobody's going to respect you. Mm. They're just not, and, and that goes
2: for any job, any business, any position. Well, even you want to talk about the, 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 sanctity of a romantic relationship as well. Yeah. Right. Same thing. A, 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 a woman in, in the, the male female dynamic doesn't want to walk all over her man. She might seem like she does, but she doesn't really want that. No, she doesn't really want that. And guess what? The client that's, that's, that is getting that place of, of slightly disrespecting you or, or walking on you doesn't really want it either. Nope. My my high high level clients they, they they don't really want to their their unconscious scared part of themselves does which is why they do that yeah <laughs> right but them in in and of themselves don't really want that they want to be put in their place in that sense not like you know, you know elbow right. to the face down but but hey no 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 that's not how this is happening and you're not going to speak to me that way and this is how this is going to work yeah right that's what they want that's what she wants that's what her clients want. Yeah. Right? That's to be able to show up and say, Hey, I, I'm the leader here. And I know what's best, right. You're paying me. You you got into this relationship with me, right? Like I got this. Okay.
0: 100%. Right there. You're going to fucking freak when you read, cause this, this thing, I, I totally missed this part, but it, it talks about masculine, you know, the masculine feminine, feminine energy. And it talks about how just to exactly what you just said that, you know, no woman wants their guy or maybe if you're gay, they, they, you know, if you're if you're gay and, and maybe it's your guy, whatever. Yeah. You don't want them to show up as I don't know how that works necessarily in a in a in a, uh, a homosexual relationship, I guess. You got two dudes. I don't know how that works. But, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, if you're in a relationship with a woman, she wants you to be a dude. She wants you to show up as a man. If not, she'd be dating a woman
2: right i mean yeah, and that's the funny part is, is is girls think that they want to date a woman and guys think that they want to date a man yeah why can't you be more logical why can't you be more right why, why can't you just like understand it from this perspective and this point of view right so it, it goes both ways too yeah right? like, like like girls are like are showing up hey why can't you be more sentimental why can't you be more understanding and and guys are the same way, but but really we don't want the other one to be that way. We I don't want my wife to, to be a dude, and no. I don't think yeah. I, not that I don't have a wife, but like my I don't think my wife would want me to actually be a woman because that's what ends up happening is girls turning guys and in, into girls, or I yeah. should say exposing really what's actually there.
1: Yeah, and that's man. what
2: that women have such a powerful powerful ability to be able to do, and that's what what a, a great relationship can either make. You know, a boy into a man or a boy into a bitch, right? It just yeah. exposes what's really there. That's right? right. A woman does an incredible job of being able to, to push a man to, to get into that that insecure place, to, to step up into, into his power. Yeah. There's a beautiful part about the dynamics of the relationship. Right. But but it is uh, it's interesting when when so many guys just don't know. They just don't know. And, and, and and they're like, Oh, I don't, I want to make sure she's feeling good. I want to make sure she's okay. And I don't want to say this to her. Oh, she, no, she wants me to stay home again. Oh, like she doesn't want me to go dude. She doesn't actually want you to stay home. Right. She doesn't, she, she wants you to be able to say what you want and go do it. And she might be like, Oh, you, you dick in the moment, but she's going to be fucking turned on by it. Right now. Now I'm not saying now, once again, Two camps right are you the guy that's like always a dick to your to your wife or girlfriend where you're like "Fuck you i don't care what you think right? Right, or no. are you the one that that's that's right that that's talking about in that book of i naturally am wanting to please other people more right if you're from that camp then i would say your wife doesn't and your girlfriend doesn't want you to to be the, the like, submissive do everything for them all the time what they want on the hour every minute they want you to own whatever you want and to own this truth, and, and, and tell them what's happening. Right. That's it. Yeah, and you don't it, have insane. to be disrespect.
0: Yeah, and you don't. And for in and, and and you know, to your to the first point, like you don't have to be a dick about it. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to show up as a dick. You could just be a man and just say, "This is what I need. This is what I want. This is the direction I'm going to go." Right. And I'd love to have your input. That doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind, but your opinion matters. But at the end of the day, I'm going to make the decision that's best for me and for our family, right? And, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's just it. And, and, and that's, sure. you know, and you know, you got to learn to trust yourself. And I didn't do
2: that for a long mm. time, you know? That's it, right? And that, that's the core of all of it right there, baby. Can I trust myself? But then again, Corey, how, how can we trust what we don't really know, right? If I've never given myself permission to step out of who I've always been in the context of, of my family, and my upbringing and to explore the unknown and to really discover me and, and, and what I want and who I am, how can I respect me? I don't even know who the fuck I am. dude. Right. Yeah. thousand percent. All part of the process right there, baby. Yeah, I agree, brother. So look, um,
0: I think we are getting close to time. So I, I just wanted to really quickly, I want you to, first of all, dude, I, uh, you know, and I, I don't, I don't say this about everyone in my podcast, but, I enjoy a lot of them, most of them, but I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation today simply because we've talked about real shit, you know, there's been no fluff, there's been no bullshit, and, and we've gotten, you know, we get to talk about some psychedelics and ayahuasca, which I also, also enjoy quite a bit, so, um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing, you know, you didn't even share a ton about the story because we got completely side, you know, side uh tracked with all these other amazing things. This has been a hell of a just unfucking believable conversation. And I just want to thank you very, very much for coming on today and sharing, you know, this with my audience. I really appreciate that. Can you please just do me a favor, let everybody know where they can find you and any information that you'd like to leave with the audience about you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Corey, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate you acknowledging that and saying that. So that feels really fucking good. So thank you. My pleasure. Um, to, to find me, Instagram, kian.loggie. I'm sure uh, you'll put a, the spelling down in the show notes. And I will. Uh, my, 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 my website as well, kianloggie.com. So those are the two spots that you can find me at.
0: Cool, man. Well, listen, dude, I really, really appreciate this once again. And uh, I'll let you know when it's going to come out. Okay, my man? Cool.
2: Can't wait to hear it. Thank you, brother.
1: If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey